the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Welcome in, Rob Black. Talking money. Talking investing, talking retirement. We'll get through a lot of content today. Always try to leave you with a little bit of something. Yesterday, the Nasdaq was down a skosh. The S&P 500 was up a skosh. Not much. One-tenth of one percent. The Dow Jones Industrial Average up one-third of a percent. Bitcoin's up. Oh, boy. Where is that at? Cracking 30,000 today. Hopefully, uh, if you've been on the roller coaster, you averaged in. Uh, Not for me, but I totally understand what some people are trying to pull off. But not for me. It's too many question marks is what it comes down to. And I, that's something I just don't do. Pharmaceutical executives say abortion pill ruling will hurt the industry. This is one that we saw in the news. And the more you think about it, you're like, hmm, I wonder how that could play out. Pharmaceutical industry big wigs are not fans of a Texas federal judge's ruling last week invalidating the FDA's decades approval of the abortion medication. Uh, Pristone essentially banning its sale nationwide. Yesterday, over 300 biotech and pharmaceutical executives, including Pfizer CEO, signed an open letter calling for the decision's reversal, basically saying a judge really shouldn't be able to say what is legal and not legal. Or that's weird because you're like, wait, 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 he should be able to say that. But when it comes to approval of a drug. hmm, I get the arguments here. But I get it's a very, very dangerous slippery slope to have judges go outside of the courtroom and talk about scientific research. Many of the tech cases that I've followed through the years, you could tell the judge just didn't have any clue of fast changing technologies like Bitcoin. It's a tough one to regulate if the people who are regulated don't understand it. At least five people were killed yesterday in a shooting at a Louisville bank branch. The shooter, a 25 year old employee. Live streaming the attack on Instagram. He was also killed. The shooting continues a disturbing trend of violence in the workplace. Um, 145 mass shootings this year after just 100 days of the year. It's it feels like it's it's a, a weird lottery that you don't want to win. You don't want to know anyone anywhere near any of that scenario. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. The mother of a six-year-old who shot a teacher in Virginia has been charged with child neglect and recklessly leaving a loaded firearm so as to endanger a child. Apple's shipments of Macs fell 40% year over year in the first quarter as people bought fewer computers. I don't think that one's that big of a shocker. As we loaded up two years ago, 2020, 2021, during the pandemic, we're like, how long are we going to be working from home? How long are we going to be doing school from home? And just to give you an idea, it's been about three years since my kid got a desktop. And 
graphic processors being what they were and will he's like i think it's time to upgrade dad i'm like can we wait one more quarter just one more quarter that's all i'm asking um today we get earnings out of albertson's a big food company not a lot of profit margins in grocery stores If you work at a Safeway or if you work at Albertsons and get stock, it's lovely. And I I know a lot of people who have careers like that. But make sure you invest outside of your own company as well. Nintendo stock rallied after the Super Mario Brothers movie broke box office records. Following the film's 377 million haul over the weekend, J.P. Morgan said it expects the Mario film to surpass Frozen 2 in its total revenues. Is that possible? Is that possible? Anytime you ever see like a dog, uh, an old man walking a dog and the dog's name is Elsa, you're like, I bet he has a grandchild. I bet he has a granddaughter. So Nintendo stock jumps after the Super Mario Brothers breaks records in $377 million box office haul. When it came time to see a movie last weekend, uh, spring break kids kind of thing. Uh, what are we going to do for nine days? Super Mario did not jump to the top of my list. We're just not a Nintendo family. Is that fair? Is that fair? YouTube TV has said it's NFL Sunday ticket and how much it's going to cost. YouTube's baseline Sunday ticket package will cost $349 for YouTube TV subscribers or $449 for non-subscribers. The streamer is offering $100 off all of its plans for anyone who signs up before June 6th which is just a couple months away. YouTube TV became the owner of Sunday Ticket in December, paying roughly $2 billion for the rights and taking over DirecTV's longtime contract. Um, again, pretty good bargain if you're going to sit in for 18, 19 weeks and watch football and you want to watch out-of-town games. I get it. Just not my kind of thing. I prefer the highlights. I know you're saying, what kind of man are you? Don't question my manhood. But again, shifting world, right? Live sports are shifting to Google and YouTube TV. Live sports are shifting to Netflix, question mark. When they did a live comedy special a couple weeks ago with Chris Rock, is that in preparation of maybe big time events like boxing or UFC? Certainly could be. Certainly could be. I like what we're seeing in the world of streaming. It seems um, there's an ebb and flow right now. They're, they're, There's kind of a consolidation going on. Listen to this statistic. It's time to grow up. More millennial households own than rent. I think that's great. Skyrocketing home prices haven't stopped millennials from buying real estate. Rent Cafe found nearly 52% of millennial households, which includes groups of people living together under one roof, owned a home in 2022. Nice. According to Rent Cafe, the number of millennial households that own their own home jumped by 7 million over the past five years to 18.2 million. I'm one of those rare unicorns that I like real estate, I like stocks, and I like income, of which you could call bonds a form of income. It took took millennials longer from ages 27 to 42 this year to save enough for the afford their first home. When millennial households became majority homeowners, the average age of the millennial was 34. The average Gen Xer passed the benchmark at 32. The average boomer was 33. Okay, so the millennials waited till 34. The Gen Xer, my age group, was 32. 
I bought my first home in my early 20s, um, 24. That's probably mid-20s, right? But one of the things I learned early on in life, and this was when I was dating Juliet, her dad pulled me aside and, you know, we're getting out of college, we're falling in love, we're thinking about homes and babies and marriage and things like that. And he's just man-to-man me. He said, you know, Rob, you're always going to have debt. Um, And that's not a bad thing. Don't let it consume you. Don't let it eat you up. And to this day, I'm in my mid 50, early 50s, early 50s. Thank you. And I have debt and I have enough money to pay it all off. But I have low cost debt, which I guess the lesson of this first segment is, Rob, you're always going to have debt. Low cost debt is better than high cost debt. If I had a mortgage right now at six, seven, eight, nine, ten percent, I would say "Mm, that's not great debt to have. I'd be paying that down. Anything over 6% in debt, I pay down, or I work to pay down, or I put on a priority to pay down. Would you have a home mortgage under 4%? I don't prepay that any way, shape, or form. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Questions about Social Security? Check out the Social Security Retirement Guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. So a little bit more about Nintendo. I don't want to completely drop that yet. Nintendo stock jumps after Super Mario Brothers movie opened with $377 million in box office ticket sales. Pretty impressive. PG movie. Um, it's got incredible intellectual property, which is beloved by people of different generations. Uh, I did not grow up with Mario. I was not a Nintendo person. I was more of a, a Microsoft Xbox or uh, Sega Genesis or Atari 2600 or like, yeah, I can go down this path with you, right? Commodore 64, TI 99. Just somehow I missed Nintendo. Maybe my parents were too poor. Maybe that, I don't know. But it just was not my thing. But it's obviously incredible intellectual property. And that spans generations of of humans. So dads took their kids to the movie saying, this was my childhood, son. And the son's like, I play this too, dad. A child arrived just the other day. Anyhow, it opened, um, it broke records for the biggest video game opening of all time. And right there is when the story clicked in my head as now I get it. Now I know how to tell the story. So we know things like Despicable Me and Minions have done very, very well. But when we're talking video games, they've been kind of hit or miss in, as far as their adaptions go. This has been a good year for video game adaptions with The Last of Us on HBO Max. And now the video game adaption of the Super Mario Brothers has to be considered like what a year. And this is going to encourage Nintendo to say, let's take a look around and we see what you have over there, Disney. And here's what we have. You have intellectual property where um, mothers wanted to take their daughters to Cinderella because they saw Cinderella when they were a little girl. And they wanted to be a princess who was saved by some creepy prince who would kiss girls who were sleeping. And suddenly they would wake up. I know, I know. That's not quite the story of Cinderella. It's, it's Sleeping Beauty. But don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, right? But Disney has played off that nostalgia for a long time. I don't know if my kids will ever put on Cars, Pixar, and show it to their kids. But I do know my kids will show my kids their kids uh, Star Wars intellectual property right 
So just work with that for a second and know that you're going to be seeing more Nintendo movies. It's going to open the door. And the company that I would love to see acquire Nintendo, wait for it for just a second. Wait for it for just a second. I want I want Apple to either acquire Disney or to acquire Nintendo. It, it, to me, it seems like a no-brainer. But I don't know. It would be, well, here's the brainer. It would cost a lot of money. A lot of money. And Apple shareholders would not be happy. And do they need to do it? I guess not. I guess that's what I'm getting to. Let's talk about your first year of retirement. This is, I think this show has changed a lot. And if I've turned off some of the listeners, I understand. Um, I try to give practical advice at each and every show. I try to give one or two, three or four, five things that you can take away. Whether today it's intellectual property tied to net towards Nintendo. It, the Nintendo can rightfully look at their, their brand and say, we're as good as Disney. We may even be better. Because we're not talking about the baby boomers who grew up on Disney. We're talking about the Generation Xers who grew up on video games and their kids and their kids' kids. So this show is really, to me, about my life. And I think that's the best way for me to be honest and disclose things like, hey, I own shares of this or I own shares of that. Um, In this case, I do own shares of Disney. Uh, Don't own any shares of Nintendo. I do own shares of Apple. Um, That's the easiest way for me to talk about what I'm seeing and how to see it. But let's talk about something that's going to shock me in a few years. 60% of Americans aren't confident about retiring on day one of retirement. You got to get kind of ready for it. One of the reasons I have CFPs on this show, and I hope you're appreciating the fact that I'm bringing more of them on the air. Um, So far, I've brought four different women on CFPs for Women's Month. I've brought on two new CFPs that you've never heard from to talk about Financial Literacy Month. So the roster of talent on the show is growing. One of the things you need to do is be confident in your retirement before you retire it. Retire. Think about the adjustment period. Such moves um, or you are in that adjustment period where you're like, what's my cash flow? Why do I still have a subscription to the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times if I'm not going to do financial media radio anymore? I should probably cut those and, and improve my cash flow. But something as simple as reviewing your subscriptions and reviewing your reviewing your budget is a good thing to do pre-retirement. Then you should look at your expenses. And if you can do this with the help of an accountant or the help of your credit cards or uh, you and your sugar booger, start looking at how, what you're spending three, four, five years before retirement and look at your expenses. I'm going to go away at the end of the week, take my kids to a city that they've never been to. Um, three day, four night vacation kind of thing. Um, I want to travel. That's going to show up on my my budget this year. If I were retiring in five years, I'd be like, okay, do I still want to do a weekend getaway where I get on a plane? Is that in my budget? You really got to start looking at the things that are expensive. Uh, so you prioritize your expenses. Just, I don't need you to like have the budget that's tight. That, you know, no ship will ever sink from. I need you to have the budget that you have a really good idea of what's coming in and a really good idea of what's going out. 
I keep adding to my savings. I've upped more of my savings numbers just yesterday. So I got two emails from brokerage firms saying, oh, you've changed your deposits. Um, I still think the market's digesting inflation and interest rates. I don't think the market's ready to hit new highs. I would be rather be increasing my contributions now if I'm expecting the market to be at a higher level in the next year to three years out. So I'm adding to my savings, even though I have enough saved. I put 15% of my paycheck aside. I put, you know, another three to 5% aside just from savings and credit cards. And most of that money I do put into savings accounts or investment accounts, brokerage accounts. Chad Ochocinco said he saved 83% of his salary in the NFL by buying fake jewelry and sleeping in the stadium. That's kind of weird. That's kind of weird. Sleeping in the stadium one. But I would bet the 49ers or whoever he was playing for on that time probably loved that kind of stuff. Okay, I don't think Ochocinco played for the 49ers. I suddenly want to retract that statement. Don't send me an email about it. He might have. He might not have. I don't care. Um, other things that you need to do is start like putting together all the pieces before you retire. Um, so I want you to get like your social security strategy. Do you take it at 62? Do you wait till you hit 70? I'm going to wait till I hit 70 um, because I'm a bigger earner than my spouse. And she may take it at 62, 65. We're not quite sure. We may not take it at all. I don't, I don't know. No, we'll take it. Um, You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. If you have a question or you want me to do a lesson, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. Visit the Rob Black Show online at robblackshow.com. Listen to archived podcasts, market updates, and information from EP Wealth's certified financial planners online at robblackshow.com. A lot of investing sounds pretty sexy until you make a mistake and then you're humbled and you're angry. I think my biggest mistake as an investor ever was once buying a company called Cryomedical Sciences. And I was getting cocky. It was the mid-90s. My tech stocks were glorious. I somehow put together my success in tech stocks must mean I'm a great investor. Anything I touch would turn to gold. So I bought a company that freezed cancers, prostate cancers. And um, doctors would then use imaging to you know precisely cut it out. Seems better than radiation and chemotherapy, especially if you've had a father pass away after radiation chemotherapy. So I let the personal issue of my father's death get into my head on an idea when I was trying to find some investment thoughts to pursue. It didn't work out. Um, I would, I don't have actual numbers in front of me. But I remember being down like 50, 60%. And I'm like, do I really want to hold this down to zero or do I want to cash out now? That's a tough one. A lot of people own Bitcoin and uh, they bought it in the 40s, 50s, 60,000 range and then they saw it fall to 18,000. Like, did they panic on the way down? Did they buy at the bottom? Or are they averaging it? Like some of these psychological debates you need to have with yourself before you actually have to invoke them. One area that I'm very cautious on right now is I always temper people's expectations going forward. Um, I like 
moderation in moderation. I'm okay with that. I don't really pursue greed or fear. Have I made a wealth in my lifetime in real estate? Yes. Have I made a wealth in my lifetime uh, with stocks? Yes. Particularly growth stocks? Yes. Have I shared with you the whole journey of everything I've ever done for 25 plus years in social media and financial media? Yes. One area, though, that I want to temper you on, and it's just moderation and moderation. Don't expect the same things in the next 15 years that we've got in the last 15. We now have a Federal Reserve. Eh, I'm not going to say the Federal Reserve. We now have interest rates that are more normal historically. When it wasn't easy to make money. I made easy money in real estate. I made easy money in stocks. One of the reasons I believe was the low cost of money. After 9-11, we learned the positive benefits, if you hadn't already learned, of what happens when cheap money is introduced to the system to keep it economically flowing in fears of what would have happened if we didn't. And we got addicted to it. And it's been 15 very good years. I would say 20 good years of easy monetary policy. There's been a couple of years in there where the Fed gets kind of like, oh, we need to interest raise interest rates like they are now. And the, the returns on Wall Street aren't good when they raise interest rates. So if I were to caution you right now, I would caution you on a higher interest rate environment is tougher for the stock market. A higher interest rate environment is tougher for the real estate market. Oh, I just found some oil. Interesting. Um, I found an oily substance on my fingers. You're like, ooh, a mystery. Um, so if my son were to come with me right now, and he's too young, he's still, he's just starting high school. Um, but if he were to come to me and say, you know, dad, you know, what did, where would you do now if you could do it all over again? In real estate, let's talk about it. A couple of years ago, I started talking, well, 15 years ago, I started talking about what are called mid-sized markets. Cities like Memphis. Um, Austin, Denver, um, mid-sized markets like Charlotte, mid-sized markets like Raleigh. And I'd say find one that has a great university next to it. And I'm not saying you're golden, but that's a good start. In fact, I if, with real estate, if you were to say, what are your general rules? I'd say always buy in a good school district, generally speaking. Don't go for the fixer-uppers. You can if you want to. I don't want to. But also go after a town that's mid-sized. It's great if you live in New York to buy in New York. I get it. New York York City, LA, San Francisco is great. Um, But the high price of entry could also lead to three or four years of underperformance. So something that I'm, again, keen on is mid-sized markets. Now... Unfortunately, cities like Cleveland, Ohio, mid-sized market, right? Um, Not a lot of growth. So I can go through some markets that I just don't like, even though they're mid-sized, even though they hit what I wanted to hit, like Toledo, Ohio. Um, Not a very sexy city. Homes don't do great there. Um, Rockford, Illinois, I've heard in the past. Everyone really loves it. But... It's devalued pretty quickly after running up pretty late. 
So look for areas that you can beat yourself up and say, no, that doesn't make sense. But also look for areas that do make sense to you. Sometimes I understand in the next 15 years, unless we have another 9-11 and we see global economy, and it, could, it certainly could happen. We have Vladimir Putin, who I don't know what I believe out of the media these days, but let's say he's got nuclear weapons and he probably does. And let's say one gets used for whatever reason. Maybe it's a contained one. Maybe it's a small one. Yeah, I can see world banks lowered interest rates again and setting off another cycle of super low interest rates and how easy it is to make real estate money and how easy it is to make stock money or how to remove one of the headwinds and replace it with a tailwind with cheap money. So sometimes you do yourself a favor and while you're critically thinking about buying real estate for the reasons I brought up, whatever they are to you, I told you mine, mine are I like mid-sized markets in college towns right now that could all change. Also, I like to be close to jobs, which is one of the things I like about colleges is there's usually a hospital close by and a university. So they're going to need professors. They're going to need cafeteria workers. They're going to need truckers. It's a big, big endeavor. Again, can you completely buy off that concept now? But I'm as negative as I am at positive when trying to figure out where I'm going with my wealth. I don't know if that makes sense to you. But I like writing reasons to like something. I like writing down reasons to dislike something. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Kind of a big week this week. And I'm going to be posting on YouTube in about an hour a video that I did yesterday with Adam Phillips, EP Wells, Director of Portfolio Strategy. It's going to be at my webpage on YouTube, my channel called Rob Black Show. Rob Black Show, subscribe, follow. That would help me. Um, if you want to know how to help me, that simple one can help because my bosses see those numbers. Um, with that out there, it's a, it's a good market commentary that I recorded yesterday. And one of the things that I, I focused on yesterday, and I always try to learn something from Adam because he's a really smart market strategist, is yesterday we talked a lot about the consumer. Retail sales numbers come out on Friday. Is the consumer getting tired? Last Friday, we got the jobs report where we saw unemployment drop to 3.4%. Does the consumer have money, a job? So I'm approaching this week as consumer, consumer, consumer. We get the CPI consumer price inflation index today. Um, we get a lot of data to chew on about the consumer. Um, Adam brought up a little bit about the consumer having more and more credit card debt with higher interest rates, sometimes, you know, bobbling at that 20% range, which is grotesque. Um, it's such a high number, I can't even fathom paying it. So I don't carry any, any monthly balances on credit cards because I don't want to pay that 20%. I would sell stuff. I would sell savings accounts before doing that. Like, I just don't, there's no way. You know, when you're talking about the consumer with CPI, consumer price inflation, when you're talking about the consumer having a job, when you talk about the consumer and are we spending money, as we expect interest rates to continue to hurt the economy, and that is the expectation that things are going to be tougher in the next six months, economically speaking, than they are now. Again, the, the wrench in the system right now are the jobs numbers. We're healthily employed. But let's say the economy starts seeing unemployment at 4%, unemployment at 4.5%. 
a stock that could do very well is Olive Garden. Um, Darden Restaurants. It's getting a lot of press right now because as we head into a recession, where should you position your portfolio? I don't own any shares of Olive Garden, but do I believe in the concept that the lower ticket casual dining will hold up better than the high end? Yes. Um, the bread bowl, the pasta bowl, like Olive Garden to me is never really signified. Okay, here's the thing. So when I was 16, 17, 18, Olive Garden was a great restaurant. Then you get to like 22, 23, and you're like, yeah, it's okay. And then you go to some nice restaurants in your life, and you're like, I, I probably never want to go there again. And then later in life, you're like, I don't want to pay $60 for a steak. So you go to the Olive Garden. Like it has its cycle in our minds, like the never ending pasta bowl which for a single fee offers customers unlimited pastas and sauces. The price of the promotion was $3 higher in 2022 than it was in 2019, which helps improve margins. But can you imagine going to a restaurant and saying, I want all you can eat pasta? Yeah. I like that. Just bleh. I'd rather own Coca-Cola or PepsiCo in the world of consumers. TJX tractor supply. than I would say Darden, but I get it. I get it. Total Broker Advisors for Ticket Action on any stocks ever mentioned on this show. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. So looking back today, some of the things that I've talked about. Consumer retail sales on Friday. Inflation numbers this week. The jobs number last week. Having a healthy consumer in the United States helps um, the economy move forward. The problem is more and more Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Ugh. I'm not going to be a parent here. I'm not going to go there. Every now and then I'm, I'm looking for content and the shootings. It's been 146 mass shootings this year in just the first 100 days. And I, I don't think this is that type of show where we talk about what happened in Louisville or we talked about what happened in it's just not that kind of show. Elon Musk is moving forward with a new generative AI project at Twitter. Remember a couple of weeks ago, he was like, oh, we should stop this whole AI push for six months, i.e. so I can catch up. That's what everybody who's skeptical and uh, sarcastic are, are saying, right? If you've played with AI chatbot. It's interesting. I find it a little boring quickly, but it's certainly going to have some uh, stickiness as the fastest app ever in the computer world, as far as users, you know, jumping on and signing on. Can you imagine that IPO? When you're able to hype and say, we're faster than Facebook to a million users. We're faster than like, that's some swag. That's some bravado. Musk's AI project at Twitter involves a large language model. An LLM AI that's trained on large sets of data so it can eventually create new seemingly sophisticated content and text on its own. Musk has sought new AI talent to Twitter. By early March, he had officially hired the engineers from Alphabet's AI research subsidiary, DeepMind. Since at least February, Musk has approached people in the AI field, including um, some top-level executives, about starting his own AI endeavor to rival ChatGPT. 
chat GTP and AI still getting a lot of love. A lot of stories on Airbnb recently and some of the negatives and some of the positives. This was a positive one that I found where someone reveals that he bought two Airbnb tiny houses and put them in his yard. Started as an easy way to make extra cash. Now it's his primary source of income. Two teeny tiny little homes for about 35000 each. It's It's kind of a hack, if you will. And when you take a look at it, these are tiny homes in Oakland, California. Um, it is not exactly a luxury part of town. It is not exactly a luxury neighborhood. At one point in time, he had a tenant and is living in his garage. And then he came up with this idea of buying two teeny tiny homes. And it gives him options for what sort of tenants he wants. A couple of years ago, we were doing stories on pre-COVID lawyers flying, living in Texas and flying to San Francisco in the morning, working two hours on the plane, billing the client, doing eight hours of meetings and flying home the same day because airfare is so cheap. Airfare is pretty cheap. When you think about flying all the way across an ocean, how little it costs. Um, but I like the idea of um, every now and then you, you f- see how, like, and now here's the problem. The man in Oakland who put two teeny tiny homes in his backyard, that's partially because Gavin Newsom and the Democrats in California have said things like, hey, we need more affordable housing. If you want to use your backyard, use your backyard. Previous administrations were like, it's not zoned for that. It's not licensed for that. You can't do that. And I'm not a Newsom fan or, or dis fan. And you're not going to know my politics. All I'm going to tell you is that the housing crisis in California has opened the door for scenarios like this until maybe a legislature, maybe it's Oakland's, will say, you know what? We don't like the idea of you not being regulated. We don't like the idea of Oakland hotels uh, getting passed by because people are wanting to use your place. So Airbnb is in the news this week. It's a big news cycle on their super host potentially leaving the platform, but there's also a big news cycle in, you know, what are states and cities willing to do about it? If you're in a luxury area like Lake Tahoe, there's a a shortage of affordable homes. So the rich people that buy homes in Lake Tahoe are despised by the locals because the locals want those to be on the rental market so that they can rent them. It, but it doesn't add up. Like, You can't hate the wealthy people in San Francisco from buying a home when your schools get an enormous money of property taxes. But you can hate if there's a housing shortage, right? So there's always going to be drama with any stock you own. That's what I was trying to bring up right here in this segment is the drama. Do you agree with that statement? There's always going to be drama. And I just want you to get kind of used to it and, and feel kind of okay with it. Um, I think that's that's a normal and healthy thing for you to try to pull off if you're picking up what I'm putting down. Um, let me pull up one quick thing real quick here. Um, housing is unaffordable. No, I'm having problems with my content. It just disappeared on me. Okay, there's a wait and see. Ahead. Oh, the March consumer price index is tomorrow. I incorrectly said earlier today it was today. So Wall Street's not doing much on that news. 
There's some relative weakness today in mega cap stocks, which I'm fine with. Microsoft's down 1.6%. Amazon's down 1.2% for the year. They're huge winners, not Amazon. Uh, but Microsoft certainly had a good run so far. New York Fed President Williams, he is a voter for the Federal Reserve, saying he expects inflation pressures to cool gradually and for the unemployment rate to increase to 4 to 4.5%. All very doable, all very manageable. Find me online at robblackshow.com. What's the best way to choose a financial advisor? Download our guide at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.